Thanks for that great worship this morning. That was terrific. Great music. Way to, good way to start the day. I don't know about you, but that always gets me going on a Sunday morning. So, Hey, uh, again, thanks for having us today. Thanks for putting up with my family. <laughs> and uh, I was just laughing as Rick was praying there. I started having these, these memories. I think this is a little payback because I've got home videos of me doing the exact same thing to my dad who's been a, in ministry for 30, 30 years, me running around stages and uh, causing havoc. So a little bit of, little bit of payback, I think. But anyway, we're, we're really uh, glad to be with you. Let's, uh, let's have a word of prayer before I uh, share with you this morning. Lord God, thanks for uh, this great day. Thanks for letting us be here together and come into your presence to worship you. We just pray now, Lord, that you open our hearts and, and spirits, Lord, to hearing from your word some of these important truths that we're going to look at today. And we're just so grateful, God, for your love for us, your grace, your mercy, uh, the forgiveness that's found in you, the hope that's found in you. And uh, I just pray, God, that you give us all a renewed sense of these truths t- today as we, uh, as we explore your word together. Bless our time now, Lord, and be honored and glorified here in Jesus' name. Amen. In April 1970, an event took place that captured the attention of the entire world. Most of you are probably familiar with it, and some of you may vividly remember watching television, sitting at home watching television, when all of a sudden the news flashed across the television screen that three American astronauts on Apollo 13 were 200,000 miles from planet Earth. There had been an explosion on board Apollo 13. And the explosion had knocked out both the directional guidance system and the electrical system of the command module, sending those three American astronauts tumbling out of control off course into darkest space. On top of that, the explosion had also punctured a hole in the command module's oxygen tanks. And oxygen was slowly seeping into outer space. And the news came that those three American astronauts, Tom Hanks, Kevin Bacon, (laughs) that other guy, the news came that those three American astronauts, 200,000 miles from Earth, tumbling out of control, off course, had only four hours worth of quality oxygen left in the spacecraft's command module. Many of you will remember watching the dramatic events of the Apollo 13 flight unfold. In fact, some historians have commented that it was one of those rare occasions in human history when the entire world stood identifying with the desperate plight of those three astronauts as they tumbled out of control off course into darkest space. The world watched as one hour ticked by, two hours ticked by, Three hours ticked by. During this time, engineers at Johnson Space Center, NASA's command headquarters in Houston, Texas, were working frantically, trying to figure out if there was any possible way that those three astronauts could be saved. Three hours and 40 minutes ticked by. And with just 20 minutes of oxygen left in the tank's of the command module, NASA's Houston Command Headquarters at Johnson Space Center radioed the three astronauts. And the engineers at NASA's Command Headquarters reported to the three astronauts, we have found a way, and it's the only possible way 
for you to be saved. And then Houston Command told the crew of the Apollo 13, you will need to open the door of the command module leading to the lunar lander. The lunar lander was the small spacecraft that the astronauts were going to use to land on the surface of the moon. And NASA said, you're going to need to open the door and abandon the command module and go through that door leading to the lunar lander. And Houston Command said, there is no other way. It's the only possible way to be saved. You need to go through that door and you need to plug into its life support system. You need to plug into its directional guidance system. You need to plug into its source of energy. There is no other way. You know, my friends, those three astronauts, they had a choice that day. I can imagine the conversation that took place inside the command module as those three astronauts tumbled out of control 200,000 miles from Earth with only 20 minutes of oxygen left. One of those three astronauts might have said something like, how arrogant and narrow-minded. Can you believe those guys at NASA would tell us there's only one way? Unbelievable. Or maybe one of those astronauts suggested, you know, guys, we've only got one go-around. Let's party it up. Break out the booze, break out the dope. Let's get hammered. Another one of those astronauts might have said, no, what we really need to do is simply hold our breath long enough and maybe we'll evolve some new form of oxygen tanks to adapt to outer space. Or maybe one of those astronauts said, what we really need to do is just practice positive thinking here. Let's visualize the command module coming back online. Come on, guys, believe it and achieve it. Or yet another one of those astronauts might have said, guys, Houston Command is simply a crutch for the weak. We need to get tough. We need to suck it up, pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, guts it out, and be tough. Friends, we all know what those three American astronauts decided to do that day, don't we? With great joy, with great joy, they received the revelation from Houston Command Headquarters that there was a way, a way to be saved. And those three astronauts, they went through that door leading to the lunar lander. And they plugged into a new life support system. They plugged into a new directional guidance system. They plugged into a new electrical system. And they were propelled around the moon and they the earth. And they were saved. Friends, my heart breaks today. My heart breaks for our world, for people we work with, people we live next door to, people we go to school with. People all around us whose lives are spinning out of control. Heading off into an eternity lost without hope. Heading into a Christless eternity. And the world today is feeding them a pack of lies. Hey, you only got one go around in life. Live it up. Party. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. Oh, it doesn't matter what you believe. All religions are basically the same. God? You don't really believe in God, do you? Hey, snort some coke, drink some alcohol, hook up with some chicks. It's all meaningless anyway. Just chant, meditate, do some yoga. Just get in touch with your own inner divinity. 
No, Jason, what you really need to do is just try to be a good person. It's about all you can do. A world today, friends, buying into a pack of lies. And all the time, they're tumbling off course, heading into an eternity lost without hope. And all the time, friends, we've received a revelation from Heaven's Command Headquarters that there is a door, there is a way, there's a new life support system, there's a new directional guidance system, there's a new source of energy. You can be saved for all of eternity. Friends, who among you here would be so foolish to turn your back on that? Friends, this morning I want to share with you what I believe is the most powerful life-transforming message that I've ever encountered. It's the truth that literally changes everything. It's the revelation that we've received from Heaven's Command Headquarters. It's the message for how we can be saved. How we can get our lives back on course. How we can know life and life to the full. And be saved for all eternity. If you have your Bibles with me this morning, with you this morning, I'd like you to turn with me to what I believe is one of the most exciting passages in all of Scripture. You can also follow along with me on the screen today. One of the most exciting passages in all of Scripture, John 11, John chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus here shares with us the truth that changes everything. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. You see, friends, the reason for why we find our lives tumbling out of control, heading off course, heading into an eternity lost without hope is because each and every one of us has turned our back on our Heavenly Father. We have all too often chosen to live in rebellion against Him rather than in alignment with His will for our lives. And the Bible calls this rebellion sin. In fact, the reality of it is, friends, to put it plainly, we stink. We stink. In fact, I want to do a little exercise here with you this morning. I want you to lean over to the person sitting next to you and just take a big whiff. You know, get a, take a big whiff of the person sitting. Go ahead, do it. Smell the person sitting next to you. What do you smell? <clears throat> what do you smell? I'll tell you what you smell. You either smell that person stink or you smell something covering up their stink. <laughs> right? Am I right? The fact is, friends, we all stink. By our nature as human beings, we stink. We stink physically, but more significantly, my friends, we stink spiritually because of this spiritual disease called sin which affects each and every one of us. And sin is a spiritual disease. It corrupts all of us. None of us is immune to it. In fact, in Romans 3.23, the Apostle Paul tells us that all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Friends, all of us, every one of us here is lost because of our rebellion against God. Sin is like a spiritual explosion that erupts in our lives. It damages character. It destroys relationships. It leaves us riddled with guilt. 
And it sends us off course, tumbling out of control, heading for an eternity lost without hope. But friends, it's into this seemingly hopeless situation that Heaven's Command Headquarters speaks to us a revelation of hope, a way to be saved, a way to life and life to the full, a way to be saved for all eternity. Jesus calls out and He says to us, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Can you imagine that? Life to the full. And then Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me will live even though He dies. And whoever lives and believes in Me will never die. Now, I'd be willing to bet that even in a church, a great church like this, I'd be willing to bet that there's some people here this morning who are thinking, Jason, I, I, just, I don't get it. You know, I might have heard this before, but I just don't get it. Jason, how does believing in Jesus save me? Well, friends, it's simply a matter of recognizing and accepting God's love for us. A love for us which was perfectly displayed and the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us when He died on that cross 2,000 years ago. Shedding His blood for our sins, for your sins, for my sins. And through that sacrifice, bringing all of us the possibility of peace with God, our Heavenly Father. But how can I be sure? Jason, how can I be sure? How can I be sure that God really loves me? Jason, you don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know the things I've done, Jason. You don't know the things that I think about. Jason, you don't know what kind of person I am. My friends, I tell you something this morning. I can prove it to you today that God loves you. I can prove it to you today. No matter who you are, I can prove to you that God loves you. In fact, if you turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 8, we find the proof. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest verses in all Scripture. The Apostle Paul says, But God proved His love for you today. He proved it, my friends. He proved His love for you today in that while we were sinners, Jesus Christ came and He died for you and for me. While we were sinners. Friends, isn't it great to know that you don't have to be perfect? Thank the Lord for that. God takes those of us who are imperfect and sinful, and He loves us. He took your sin and He took my sin. And He nailed it to a cross. And He covered it with His shed blood so that we could come and receive the gift of forgiveness the gift of grace, the free gift that Christ bought for each and every one of us so that we could be saved and know life and life to the full here and now and be saved for all eternity. A few years ago, I had a unique opportunity to travel to the island nation of New Zealand, down under, next to Australia. New Zealand, I'll tell you, friends, is an amazing country great place to visit. 
great country. And it, New Zealand's a really interesting place. Do you, do you realize today that New Zealand has over 60 million sheep in its country? It's not a very big country. 60 million sheep. In fact, they only have 3 million people in the whole country, but they have 60 million sheep. There's sheep everywhere in New Zealand. It's crazy. And they love sheep. They eat sheep like we eat beef here in America. You go to a restaurant there, you can order sheep burgers, sheep kebabs, sheep pot pie. I mean, sheep everywhere. It's crazy. But when I was in New Zealand, I had a unique opportunity to spend some time on a sheep ranch. And the ranchers there shared with me a great story. It really helped me to grasp in a new way the awesome gift that Christ bought for us when he shed his blood for us on the cross. They told me how oftentimes in a large herd of sheep, when the mother ewes are giving birth to the lambs, they explained how oftentimes uh, a mother ewe will die while giving birth to a lamb. And somewhere else in the herd, a mother ewe will give birth to a dead lamb. And so the sheep ranchers, what they've done is they will try to take that orphan lamb who lost its mother and they'll bring it to that mother you who lost her baby in order to try to have that mother you nurse and feed and suckle that orphaned lamb. But you know what happens is that mother, she can smell that lamb. She can smell that that's not her baby. And she will always kick it away. She will not allow it to come to her to nurse and feed. But the sheep ranchers in New Zealand have discovered something very amazing. They've discovered that if they take that dead stillborn lamb, and if they cut that dead lamb open and take its blood and smear its blood on the coat of that orphan and cover the coat of that orphan lamb with the blood of that dead lamb, that when they bring that orphan lamb to that mother, that mother, she smells that lamb, And she smells the blood that covers that lamb. And she says, this is my baby. And she will always then allow it to come to her to nurse and feed and suckle. You know, friends, when I heard that illustration, I thought, what a great depiction of our relationship with God. The Bible says that God is holy. It means He is morally pure. He is perfect. He has no sin whatsoever in His being, in His presence. In fact, He cannot tolerate sin. And God cannot look upon our sin. But because of His great love for us, Jesus Christ came as the eternal Lamb of God. The infinite sacrifice, Hebrews 10.10 says, to shed His blood once for all time so that we could come and receive the gift of forgiveness, the gift of grace, the free gift that God wants to give to each and every one of us. So that when we accept this free gift, God no longer looks upon us and sees our sin. But He sees the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, that covers us, that cleanses us of our sin. And God will always then allow us back into His presence so that we can be reunited in a relationship with our Creator. Friends, do you believe in Jesus Christ today? Have you put your trust in Him? Have you accepted that gift that He offers all of us? Jesus said in John eleven twenty five through 26 one of the greatest passages in all Scripture, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me will live, even though he dies.
And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Friends, if you're a Christian today, if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Jesus promises that you shall never die. But how can that be, Jason? I'll never die. How can that be? Well, turn with me this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It gets even more exciting. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Follow along with me starting in verse 1. The Apostle Paul explains, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. All right, stop for a moment. Now, the Bible describes this bios of ours, this physical body of ours, as a temporary dwelling or a house that our soul, our spirit lives in. This, this stuff, what you see, this is just a temporary dwelling that the real you lives in. In fact, if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, the Apostle Paul describes it as an earthen vessel. It's like a pot of clay. It's just a, it's just a temporary house that we reside in. Now back to chapter 5, picking up in verse 8. Paul continues on. He says, We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You see, friends, for the Christian, to be absent from this bios, this physical body of ours, is to be instantaneously at home with the Lord. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, you shall never die. Why? Because, friends, when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, Jesus comes to live within you through His Holy Spirit. And Jesus, friends, will then give to you His very same resurrection power. So that for the believer, we need no longer fear death. My friends, Jesus Christ has already defeated death. He's a risen Savior. This is why we'll be celebrating Easter this coming month. Jesus is a risen Savior. He lives. And Jesus, friends, wants to give to you His same resurrection power. So that for the follower of Christ, to be absent from this body is to be instantaneously at home in the presence of the Lord. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Believe it or not, it gets even more exciting this morning. Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. The Apostle Paul here says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is what? It's gain. To live is to live for Christ, but to die... To die is gain. Friends, why is death gain? Because to be absent from the body is to be immediately in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. If you me, you shall never die. Friends, that's good news today. I'll tell you what, that's tremendously good news. Death holds no fear for the Christian. Death has been defeated by Jesus Christ. 
And we worship a risen Savior who is the resurrection and the life. And He wants to give to you His same resurrection power. A close family friend of ours who was my father's mentor and teacher for 20 years was the late Dr. Walter Martin. He was a real pioneer in the field of cults and religious studies. He wrote a famous book, The Kingdom of the Cults. He was on the radio for many years as the original Bible answer man. His mentor and teacher was the late great theologian Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse. And Dr. Barnhouse once shared with Dr. Martin a powerful story. Dr. Barnhouse's wife had died, and he was driving to the funeral service. And he had his daughter in the car, and he was trying to figure out how to explain to his daughter what death was as they were driving to the funeral of her mother and his wife. And he was trying to explain to his daughter what Psalm 23 means when it says, Though I walk of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Have you ever wanted to know what that verse means, friends? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? What's that mean? Why does David refer to the valley of the shadow of death? Well, Dr. Barnhouse was trying to explain that to his daughter, and he tells that it was a bright and sunny day outside while they were driving, and all of a sudden they came upon a stoplight. And while they were stopped there at that stoplight, waiting for the light to change, a large semi-truck pulled up next to them. And this semi-truck, it blocked out the sun and cast a huge shadow on their car. And Dr. Barnhouse asked his daughter, he said, let me ask you something. Would you rather be hit by the truck or be hit by the shadow of the truck? And Dr. Barnhouse's daughter said, well, I'd rather be hit by the shadow of the truck. Dr. Barnhouse said, that's exactly what the Bible means. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You see, for the Christian friends, Jesus Christ has already taken the hit of death for us. So that as believers, we don't face the hit of death. We face only the shadow of death but not death itself. For the Christian to be absent from this body is to be immediately at home with the Lord. The Apostle Paul says, For to me, to live to live is to live for Christ, but to die, to die is gain. Friends, this is good news today. As Christians, we have a purpose in this life. We have a purpose to live for Christ to make His love and grace known to the world. Tremendous calling. And as we live our lives and live for Christ, we have no need to fear death. Because as followers of Christ, we know that He is the resurrection and the life. And that to be absent from this body is to be immediately at home with the Lord because of Jesus Christ and His resurrection power. This is why the Apostle Paul could write taunting death in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 57. Paul says, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? But thanks be to God, 
He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, Jesus Christ calls out people whose lives are spinning out of control, heading out into an eternity lost without hope. And He says unto us, I am the door. Anyone who enters through Me will be saved. As I close this morning, have you ever wondered why Jesus said those famous words in John 14.6? In John 14.6, Jesus made some remarkable claims. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through Me. Why did Jesus say that? Why did Jesus say, I am the way? Because without Jesus Christ, friends, you are lost. Why did Jesus say, I am the truth? Because without Jesus Christ, friend, you are living in error. Why did Jesus say, I am the life? Because without Jesus Christ, you are dead. Lost for all eternity. But I'll tell you what, friends, the good news this morning, the good news this morning is that Jesus Christ is as close to you today as the breath you're breathing. He is right here. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at your heart's door and I knock. Anyone who enters shall be saved. He's right there, my friends. He's there waiting. He's there ready. He's waiting for you to open that door and let him in. Whoever opens that door shall be saved for all eternity. You know, there's coming a day, my friends, when our hearts are all going to stop beating. Doctors and modern-day medicine can do so much. But at the end of the day, we're all faced with the reality of our own mortality. We're all going to die. In fact, I just read online last night a recent World Health Organization survey that found that the death rate around the world today is still one per person. We're all going to die. Hebrews 9.27 tells us that it is appointed for man to die once. And after this comes judgment. Friends, it's coming a day when we're all going to stand before God. Not reincarnation, not spiritual evolution, not even nothingness. It's coming a day when each and every one of us is going to stand before God. And God's going to ask us one question. What did you do with Jesus Christ? What did you do with my offer of love, my gift of salvation? Did you open that door? Jesus says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but will have life to the full and everlasting life for all eternity. Let's close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the good news that is found in Jesus Christ. 
We thank you, Lord, that you have spoken into our world, to those of us whose lives are spinning out of control, tumbling off course. And Lord, we are grateful that even in spite of our sinfulness, because of your love for us, you gave us your Son as that infinite sacrifice who shed his blood for our sins. We thank you, God, that there is a way for us to be saved. And Lord, this morning, even in this place, even in a great church, there might be people here today who either have never heard this news or have never understood the good news that's found in you. And if there's somebody here today, Lord, my hope and prayer, if that person is here today who has never received this gift, my prayer would be that right now you would move in their heart, move in their spirit. You would draw them to yourself, even here this morning. That they might, even in the quiet of their own heart and mind, as they sit there in their chair, say a silent prayer. Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I need you. I need the gift of salvation that is found in Jesus. Please, Lord, save me. Forgive me for everything. I want to follow you, Lord. Such a simple prayer, so many ways to say it. But simple faith, you promise us, brings us back into a relationship with you. Lord, if somebody here needs to accept that gift, we pray you would touch their heart here this morning. We thank you, Father. Help us to live for you, to live boldly for this truth that changes everything. Give us a heart of compassion for our friends, our neighbors, our schoolmates. Help us, Lord, to live for you so that others might know the good news that's found in Jesus. In your precious name we pray.